I heard Deb's word about battles ahead of us, alignment, formation, you know, getting our hearts in alignment, formation, preparing, getting prepared. This is much of what I want to share on, but I want, I want to let you know there's, there's a lot of different things happening. There's some major attacks that are totally unfounded that are coming our way, right, that have come our way. And then, you know, just like I just saw on Facebook that there, there's literally a satanic temple coming to Wyndham. So, I'll tell you folks, you know, one person said, well, we must not be praying enough if one's coming. I said, well, no, it's probably the inverse. It's probably we are praying, we're being targeted, but God is the victor, and he is over all. He has the power to disseminate the enemy, and I pray that nothing can stop this glorious gospel. So I want you to pray. I want you to be aware, though, there are major developments that are are trying to impede this glorious thing that God's going to do. And there's a sense by even the dark side that there is an overwhelming harvest coming, that there's a glorious shining of the gospel where hearts are going to be opened, scales are going to fall off people's eyes. So this is the time. Deb's word was 100% spot on. It was so keen and intuitive and I'm telling you, he's stirring that same sense in many people. I tell you this because you prepare yourself because there will be plenty of opportunity for you to be offended, for you to hear lies. I, believe me, there's, none of us are in grave sin here, right, that I know of. <laughs> but I'm not telling you this for this. I'm saying the enemy has a plan and he has a target against God and his plan to release people from his control. And we will not, we'll be very unwise if we don't prepare our hearts. And really that means you preparing your heart. And this all comes down to the message that I have for you, which is obedience, the call to overcome. And there is no other way to overcome. There's no way that we could possibly Make it without the leadership of the Holy Spirit and learning to obey. And the Bible says that our hearts are full of deceit. Which of us can even know the truth? It is impossible for you to, to escape deception and lies except by the Holy Spirit. And it's like I preached about last week. David did not go right to the giant. He killed the lion. He killed the bear. He had a track record of overcoming, hearing God, stepping out in faith, and then seeing victory. And that's what I'm encouraging you. Don't be overcome and dismayed by your circumstances. Find the lion and the bear and learn how to overcome. God has not placed you in anything that is too hard for you. He loves you more than you love yourself. We talked about last week how rationalism and identification with the past can rob you of the rewards of intuition and obedience. No second guessing, right? God's trying to prepare us, break off all rationalism, humanism, and dependence upon self and get us to simply obey. This is a quote from last week. You know, God's made a way for us to be adopted as sons and daughters. This is from last week. If you live according to the flesh, you will die what does that mean? It doesn't just mean sin, sexual lust and impurity and things like that. It means that you depend on your flesh and your own understanding 
other than like Proverbs says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Do not lean on your own understanding. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Some trust in chariots, horses. You could replace this with intellect, your academic ability, your success of the past. But I trust alone in the Lord my God. This is for every aspect. If you're insecure, trust the Lord. If you're oversecure, trust the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He is like a tree planted by the waters that sends out its roots toward the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. That means when trying circumstances, when you're pressed beyond your limits, you draw from your roots off the source of the water from heaven. It does not fear when the heat comes and its leaves are always green. Scorching sun all around, shallow grass turning brown. But the trees are radiant and green and full of life. Why? Because their roots go deep and access water that you can't see from the surface. Doesn't worry about the year of drought, nor does it cease to produce fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I examine the mind. Why? To find the scoundrels and expose them. No. Why does he search and examine the heart? This is part of God's nature here. Get ready. He's not out to strike you with a lightning bolt. Do you get this? He examines the mind. Why? In order to reward a man according to his way by what his deeds deserve. So that means when you're like, I'm so discouraged, I'm so downcast, I'm going to be depressed and go in the mully grub and just start meditating on all the things I did wrong. No! Because when he examines your heart, you will not receive a reward. Instead, you say, wait a minute, no, I'm going to lift my head up. I'm going to put my trust in God. You are the source of where my help comes from, God. I trust that you love me more than myself. I trust you have good things in store for me. I open my heart and say, Father, do this in me. Then he looks at your heart, and he sees you, and he begins to reward you and outpour on you courage and hope. So glad I numbered those, because <laughs> that's happened to me before in the tent. This is a word for all of us. It's time God accelerates things. Meanwhile, we have to be prepared to run with endurance and patience. That means you don't give up. You run with endurance and patience. We are definitely close to the end of the present storyline playing out before us, but let us all respond to the sunny lion, lion king that is riding us. We want to have that final burst of speed to be the sink with him as he makes his run for the roses. This is from last week. The bigger deal is what precedes. When we talked about David and Goliath, it's about what David went through to become confident and humble. He killed the lion and bear. He overcame fear, rationalism, Second-guessing, persecution, overcame jealousy, insecurity, and he killed the giant. 
Now, you know, the lion, bear, giant, none of these are easy to do. In fact, if you think about this, David was no more challenged by the giant as he was the lion or the bear. He was much less mature, much less skillful, much less equipped with the lion. That took every ounce in him to overcome, face his fear, face the lies of the enemy and say, no, I won't believe you. I choose to obey the word of the Lord. I choose to walk in truth. I choose to meditate day and night on truth, not lies, not insecurities, not fear, not doubt, not unbelief. I choose to trust in the Lord. He did that with the lion. And you know what? When the bear came, it was even worse. A greater challenge, not for him, but in the scope of things, God gave him a bigger enemy to face. But you know what? It was no more challenge than the first one because he had grown in his capacity. He had learned to overcome, and now he faces this thing that presses him to the same limits of saying, oh, can I possibly do this? And God's like, you did it once, you're going to do it again because you've learned to trust me. Same thing came with the, the giant. This was like the climax of everything where he literally faced this giant. Now, it didn't demand any more of a challenge. It was the same challenge because it pressed him to his limits. The biggest enemy he had overcome. But if you saw the text from last week, he came to this place and he was undaunted. Why? Because his confidence was in the Lord. The lion and bear formed an identity where he trusted and knew his God. And he stood with confidence. And it looked like no sweat came off his forehead. He said, I know you lying enemy, and I can smell you anywhere. I've seen you with the lion. I've seen you with the bear. I see your deception. I see your lies, your intimidation. I will not be afraid. And he took that stone and he just went, and down that enemy falls. This is where God is trying to bring us to, is this place. You know, this morning I asked God what was in his heart, and I said, like, I just, and I, I had even sent out a text to all the, the apostolic team and said, hey, you got something burning in your heart? Because I was like, I don't know where this is going. Josiah responded and said, yeah, I got something. So we're going to kind of tag team a little bit here today. If, if the Lord and me can, like, work together and be concise, but... I want you to know that, you know, like what I'm sharing today, it's a surprise. It's some of you might say, oh, my gosh, it has to be because of a conversation we had. It's not. I literally said, Lord, out of everything in your infinite wisdom, what would you like to share with the body this morning? And this is what came out. It's this whole idea of like if, if, it, if it relates to you, it's because God wants to speak to you, Right. And he will, because his Holy Spirit will even speak to you about things I'm not even talking about, because there's a revelation here, and there's the Spirit of the Lord moving, because he loves you, he wants to change your life, he wants to form your heart. The greatest commandment, we're told in Matthew 12, 28, of all the commandments, which is the most important, the most important one, Jesus said, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. And when you look at this, this speaks of loving the Lord with everything in you. It means love the Lord with your heart, meaning 
all of your aspirations, your motivations, your, as, your, your, uh, your intents, everything, all these things with your, with your design and destiny. And then it says, with all your soul, that means you love the Lord with all your emotions, your intellect, your past, your aspirations, the future, everything about you. It's, it's, it's intentional. All your heart, your soul, your mind, your intellect, your rationalism, that it would be submitted to the Holy Spirit and you would not lean on your own understanding. With all your strength, it means with the work of your hands. And I want to tell you, folks, we tend to be very guided by our circumstances. Like, for example, I'll break it down in a practical way. You have need of money. So what do you do? Well, you get a job. And you work really hard. And then you kind of get sucked into it where it begins to drive your whole life. Do you realize your occupation is not meant to dictate your life. Do you understand that? Well, you don't understand. I can't make ends meet. Oh, so it all rests on your effort, huh? Oh, so you have to work harder and longer because you have to? Work was never intended by God to meet your needs. God intended him to meet your needs. You could clap louder than that because it is the truth. We're given work because God's called us to create works with our hands. And it's like Steph shared with the leaders, there was this potato farmer in France, and we met this great guy, Mark Dushman, who like, the guy was a wealthy businessman, a head of a logistics company. And when we met him, I'm like, I've never met a French guy like this, because typically French are a little stodgy and low risk, and I mean, that's a generalization, of course, but... I love France and I love the French and je peux parler français, zonk. We ended up like connecting. And he told me a story about this potato farmer and he's like, yes, Sean, these people here do not have vision. I told him, you are not a potato farmer. And he's like, he's like, you are a servant of the Lord. You create potatoes for the Lord's glory. And he's like, what? Like, and he's like, you should wake up every morning and open the window shades and say, that is my field, my pasture. I will create potatoes for the Lord today. And say, Lord, release your glory and blessing upon this patch. This is how this guy in France talked to these people. And he's like, you need to have vision for your life. It's not about working and tilling potatoes so you can meet your needs. It's about creating out of your life good fruit. Creative work, productive work of your hands. That's why we are to love the Lord your God, our God, with all our strength. It means your breath, your energy. But this is what I'm saying. If it ever becomes about you working because you need to meet your needs, folks, you have gone off in self-reliance. You do not work to meet your needs. You work to be productive and create for the Lord. Now, if you work too much and you lose sight of obedience to God, you have a huge disobedience problem. And you know what will be the fruit? Your faith and passion and love for him will diminish 
and you will lose your soul. It's about obedience. It doesn't matter what's happening. Is God telling you to do this or not? And if you can't believe God to direct your steps for work, you are deceiving yourself to think you can be directed for anything bigger. Take care of your lion. Then face the bear and you'll get your giant. Another whole aspect of this is, um, you know, I just want to kind of stick on this a little bit because this is where, this is where faced with reality for our life. Loving yourself is a foundation piece to loving others. Like we just read here, we said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is this, the correlation that comes out of this is love your neighbor. Right. Well, have you ever thought, what if you don't love yourself? Well, then you can't love your neighbor. It's impossible because you don't like yourself. You cannot like other people and you cannot like God. It all stems from this. And there is a cycle here like like God loved you first so that you could love him. That's the whole point. So he loves you. You receive that love and then you begin to love yourself because God loved you. You follow that? Like you can't just choose to love God. God loved you first. And you can't choose to love yourself. You have to receive God's love and realize my creator, the one that designed me, loves me. And then you start realizing that and say, well, I guess I'm not that bad. Why? Because he loves you. The one who created you loves you. And see, I want to just break this down even more, right? Hold on. The wind blows where it wishes. Come, spirit. This breaks down into everything. And I want to talk to married couples for a second. I want to tell you your intimate relations with one another are directly dependent on the degree of your healing. The intimate relationship you have between one another is, yeah, but there's kids, so I'm using fancy adult words. So intimate relations that you have with your spouse are directly dependent on both of your healing before God. Now, you can have insecurities and shame way down deep in your heart, but I'm telling you, folks, it comes out in those situations. And I want to encourage you, you know, like, man, I know by experience, I'm a married man. And I'll tell you, from when we first got married, I look back, like, what is it, Steph, like 20-some years later? 30? Shoot, what is it? 91, 21, uh, 30. It's 30th, yeah, because there's a bunch of us celebrating our 30th. Right, Brian? 31. We looked back, and I'm like, oh, Lord, life is so much better now. You know, intimate relationships are, or relationship, (laughs) is so much better now. I mean, when shame is removed, 
And when you don't have anything you're embarrassed about, and you're like, the Lord loves me. I'm a great guy. <laughs> I might, I'm not perfect, but I'm a great guy. He loves me. When that happens and you truly walk in that with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, you're like, hey, baby. No, those encounters brought me there, honey. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> but I'm telling you, you know, a lot of marriage problems, it is not a marriage issue. It is a God and you issue. This affects everything. If you can't love yourself, you can't love your wife. If you can't love yourself, you can't love your husband. And this isn't either or. All of us deal with this. And then when you have a couple come together and they both deal with these things, it makes it horrible. It just accentuates. People who think, I just got to get married and then my problems will be over. Oh, I want to inform you single people. When you get married, things get more complex, more difficult, more challenging, more exhausting. Because you're not living for yourself. You're living for two of you, sometimes three and four and five of you. I'm telling you as a single person, count your blessings right now and take advantage of the opportunity that you have to get your heart right, be healed, become whole, become totally sufficient in Christ. Yeah, married people, give the singles a big hand. Come on. You know, I want to talk about one of the things that popped in my heart this morning was victim mentality. Psychological community says that victim mentality refers to someone who essentially seeks evidence at best or creates their own evidence out of thin air at worst to automatically place themselves as those who are abused. These people are always the wronged and persecuted ones. They are the victim of another person's actions, life circumstances, every situation under the sun. People who have a victim mentality truly believe that they have no control over what happens in their life. They think that the results they get in life have nothing to do with them, and everyone is out to get them, hurt them, betray, deceive, use, and abuse them. Now, I understand I'm not diminishing the pains of being victimized, but I am telling you, folks, you are a child of the king. You are not a victim if you have made Jesus your Lord and Savior. He is over all, all things. It is a decision. You can be controlled forever by your abuse or your fears or your being wronged. You can be controlled for the rest of your life by it or you can come to the cross and exchange your rags for his riches and walk in freedom, power, shamelessness, and strength and have him be your identity. And this is the problem. You know, with a victim mentality, everything is because of someone else. I want to challenge you. God wants to turn that victim mentality into victor mentality. You know, because it comes from identity. If we don't have our identity in Christ alone. There won't be any blessing 
You'll have, you'll have degrees, but there won't be the intended blessing God wants. We have to find our identity in Christ, not who abused you, not your fears of what could happen, not like, oh, my life is out of control, ah, and then you start blame shifting. Folks, very simple and plain, you need to put your trust in God and start being led step by step by him into his designed purpose for your life and, his, and your blessing. That's his intent. He is committed to your success and your fulfillment. God, your creator, he made you for a purpose and he is like, I will do everything I can to promote them, push them into my design purpose. He loves you. We read in 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to ask, because I want to just sit on this scripture just a little here and have Josiah come up and kind of share what's in his heart here. But 2 Corinthians 6.12, And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, At the acceptable time, I listen to you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Hallelujah. Rich, very rich. The grace of God is powerful. And the grace of God is sufficient for us in every need. Come on, we need to say amen to that. Amen, yeah. We are not victims because of what he has done, right? The grace of God does not excuse our sin. The grace of God empowers us to overcome sin. The scriptures say that the grace of God appeared to all men teaching us to deny ungodliness and live soberly, righteously, and self-controlled in this age as we wait for our blessed hope and appearing of Jesus Christ. The grace of God allows us to live holy lives. It's amazing. I want to say this. When it comes to overcoming, God is able to save us to the utmost. Jesus came to save us from the dominion and power of sin that we can live in the newness of life and bear fruit to the glory of God. Right? He came to circumcise this body of death that was subject to decay. What God desired can never find fulfillment in our life because of the weakness of our flesh. Right? And so he circumcised the flesh that, to make us alive in the spirit that we can live by God's power and God, by God's grace as we trust in him. This is a season to overcome. And let me tell you something. The keys and lessons that we need to be learning in this season, they are what opens up the doors of possibility and opportunity in the next season. I'm telling you, the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the earth right now. The eyes of the Lord are searching the earth and looking to his church, looking at our hearts, saying, who will be loyal to me and wholehearted towards me, full of faith, not double-minded, not given to unbelief and disobedience, but looking and saying, these are the ones that are faithful and loyal to me in heart that I will strongly support. I love that. Look at 1 Chronicles 16.9. It says that the eyes of the Lord are looking. I, God wants to back us up because there is incredible exploits 
and works to be done. Amen? There are exploits to be done. And God is saying, I want those that are willing to partner with me and say yes. He's looking for overcomers that lay hold of the grace of God that makes them conquerors. And I want to I share this one piece. And I love it. When I look at my notes, John, big, bold letters. We have need of endurance, right? Because listen, after you've done the will of God, after you've overcome something. So I believe many people are getting breakthroughs in their life right now. Come on, put up your hands. Say, Am I, I've gotten breakthrough in this season. Amen. Look, at, look at all those hands. That's incredible. Now let me tell you something. God wants to fully establish that work in your life. And he does it and allows testing and trial to solidify that work in you. Hebrews 10 says, after you have done the will of God, after your breakthrough, after you've set your heart and mind alight, aright, after you've aligned yourself, he says, you have need of endurance. Don't throw away your confidence now. Because with your confidence in him and in the truth, there is a rich reward for you. Because the enemy wants to come to seduce you, allure you away. The familiar wants to draw you back to forfeit the ground that you've gained. And God would have you win. God would have you do right and continue doing right, bearing fruit and keeping with repentance. Amen? Friends, we have to endure and recognize there is a test upon us. We are in a time of divine testing and divine refinement. And it is for the purpose of greater entrustment. It is for the purpose of our own maturity and development in God. I love what James 1 says, blessed is the one that perseveres under trial. And after they have stood, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those that love him. This is a season Truly, of testing. There is promotion on the other side, and God is after to perfect a work in your hearts. Come on, just even right now, say, God, perfect your work in my heart in this season. Perfect your work. Let me not grow weary in well-doing. Let me not throw away my confidence, God. Steady my heart upon you. When it comes to receiving the love of God for ourselves and laying hold of grace to the next place of overcoming... This is one thing I want to bring to mind because we need to fall in love with Jesus all over again, over and over. We need to be so fascinated with the sufficiency of who he is, the sufficiency of the cross, the resurrection, fascinated with his priesthood. There's something specific in Jesus' priesthood where he advocates for you. What I love about Jesus One is that he truly became like us in every way. He was fully God, and he was fully man. And I think often we we sometimes abdicate the level of victory or freedom we can walk in and say, well, Jesus was Jesus. I'm only me, and I'm only human. Come on, anyone ever feel like that or use that as a cheap (laughs) cop-out? No, all of you? Great. All of you believe elsewise? (laughs) Are some of you lying right now? (laughs) I just don't want to raise your hand. So we often marvel at Jesus because he was God in the flesh. But here's the deal. What's more amazing is that he was fully human and he did what he did. He was a man. Jesus, for a time, put aside elements of his divinity so that he could become like us in every way. Hear me, this is so important because when we know this, It allows us to lay hold of what he provides for us if we will obey him. 
if we will yield to his leadership and lordship in our life. Jesus was a man submitted to the will of the Father. Jesus lived a submitted, obedient life to God as a man. Powerful. He demonstrates for us what it is to be born again and to live in victory, live a pleasing life unto God. And Jesus, it says, he passed through the heavens. <laughs> Jesus, he was crucified, buried, resurrected, and then it says he ascended, passed through the heavens, and now is established, seated at the right hand of majesty as Lord of heaven and earth. Come on, he's the boss. He's the man. Listen, you want to find strength in your spirit? Look unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Cast off every weight, hindrance that easily besets you and ensnares you, and run your race with endurance, friends. He has everything you need to overcome. Look to him. He's passed through the heavens and is seated at the right hand of God and lives with an eternal priesthood, making intercession for you. Supplying grace for you to overcome every circumstance, struggle, and need. Nothing has ever and will ever come upon your life that he has not provided grace for you to overcome in. He always provides a way of escape. Say amen. That is empowering. That's where we transform from victim to victor. This is how we go from being a coward to courageous conquerors. This is the truth. When we start believing the sufficiency of his reality, his authority, what he provides for us, that it really was enough, then friends, we begin to rise up in strength, in joy, in the authority and power of his salvation. Come on, let me just read these scriptures briefly and I'll bring it to a close here. I love this in, in Hebrews can't get into all of it, but in chapter 2, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free all of those who their whole lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Jesus. Jesus wants to set you free from the fear of death because he tasted it for you, friends. So powerful. For surely... It is not to the angels that he helps, but to Abraham's descendants. Come on, say, that's me. Say, no, say, that's me. It says, for this reason, Jesus, he had to be made like them, us, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for their sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He was able to help those who are also being tempted. Come on, that's beautiful. He's merciful and sympathetic. His heart overflows towards you. He does not judge you. He's not lording it over you. He is the Jesus who washes your feet. He is the one who does not condemn you, but came to literally save you to the uttermost. And not just save you from, in, from hell, but save you from the power and corrupting oppression of sin now. And he has what you need to overcome if you will but yield to him and obey him wholeheartedly. Yield to him wholeheartedly. Believe the truth wholeheartedly and receive his affection and love for you. 
I want to jump over into chapter 4. Just, this is all, chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 of Hebrews. You guys should just put that in your pipe and smoke it a little bit. For real. Get fascinated with the beauty of Jesus. You want to love him? Behold what he has done for you. Behold the love of God he has lavished upon you. And you might get a little, <laughs> a little overwhelmed with his goodness, you know. Now, right after he comes apart, this whole thing is saying, listen, the eyes of the Lord, nothing is hidden from him. The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It judges and divides soul and spirit, bone and marrow. Sees the thoughts and intentions of your heart. He sees everything. It says, nothing is hidden before him in whom we must take account to. That can terrify you or that can comfort you. If you don't know what he's done for you, that might terrify you. <laughs> if you're still living in hidden shame and partnering with sin, then that might terrify you. But when you know the merciful, beautiful heart of Jesus who sees all and yet is still looked at you and says, I love you. I love you. I have chosen you. I saw you when you were squirming in your own blood and I said, I want you. While you were still a sinner and an enemy of God, I died for you and reconciled you into my family. Come on. When we know that, it changes everything. So it comes out of this whole idea and it says, therefore, in light of that fact that he knows all, he sees all, therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Yeah, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. You need to drink that in for a moment. There is no woe is me, victim, no one understands, no one can relate. All my hardships, all my sufferings are just mine. Listen to me. Jesus knows you. Jesus can empathize with you. Jesus has actually bore your suffering. He's bore your shame. He bore your sickness. He bore and bears your sorrow. He became sin. He became you. He can empathize with your weakness. But we have one, Jesus, who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find the grace we need in our time of need. You can receive help. Isn't that amazing? We are called to overcome every trial, every temptation of your flesh, of the seduction of the world, and of the devil. I love what God said to Cain. Because listen, the father is into disciplining his kids, right? Come on. The Lord loves to discipline us because he knows that it produces righteousness that leads to holiness. God is out to train overcomers, warriors, mature sons and daughters. And he will train us. And he says, embrace hardships in your life as discipline. And don't become discouraged by it. But actually thank God for it. He says the Cain who offered God something and God just said, no, this isn't okay. This isn't good enough. Come on, you ever do something, serve God or serve people in a way that just really was half-hearted and not good enough? It wasn't your best? And that should be every one of us. Have you ever had the Lord say to you, hey, that's not good enough? Some of us say, oh, the grace of God, he accepts me, he knows. But we give God half-hearted, mediocre things from our life. He sees all, he knows all. 
He looked at Cain and looked at the offering that he brought. He says, this isn't good enough. Just go and do right and all will be well. Well, Cain got angry at the Lord's discipline. Come on, you ever get angry when you don't get what you want? When you don't get away with something? When you just try to sneak? Do just enough to get by? The Lord sees. And he says, hey, it's not good enough. Cain gets angry. And instead of responding properly, he, we know the story. He murdered his brother. But the Lord says to him this. Cain, why are you angry? Just go and do right. Listen to me. Sin is crouching at your door. And its desire is for you. But I would have you master it or rule over it. This is God's heart for you and me in the season. Overcome. Rule over your enemies. Sit with me at my right hand. Sit in my victory and learn to legislate my victory. And this is truth. And God is able to keep us and provide what's necessary to do so. I love with Jude, I'll close with this. In Jude, it closes with this incredible benediction. And it says, now to him who is able to keep you faultless. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And to present you to himself blameless before his glorious holiness and presence. And that with exceeding joy. Because he alone is wise and eternal and powerful. Come on, that's amazing. God is able to keep you. God is able to empower you to overcome if we would but yield to him and obey him. Jesus became the author of eternal salvation, it says, to those who obey him. To love him is to obey him. Amen? I'm just telling you, let's set our eyes on Jesus. Let's behold that grace. Let's behold what he has available to you and realize there's nothing that you struggle with. Learn to exchange with him and he'll meet you and provide what's necessary to prevail. Amen? Amen. Yeah. We're going to close up here and just want to lay a challenge before you that, you know, I just ended with this 2 Corinthians 6. It says, at the acceptable time, I listened to you and on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the time, the day of salvation. And I just want to encourage you, you know, you say, oh, this is awesome. I feel so good now. Then Monday comes and you're like, what happened? Well, your altar call happened. Monday's your altar call. It's where you take what you got and live it out. Life group this week is your second altar call. A time when you say, you come to life group and you say, this is what the Lord's sharing with me, speaking to me. I want prayer. I want support. Let's, as a community, fan to flame the gift and the commitment in each other's hearts. Let's go after this. Life group is not just a little time to, like, break some bread together. It's, the, it's the, where the rubber meets the ground. It's where the feet start marching. It's that activation point where you got people laying hands on you, encouraging you, rooting you on. You're sharing the struggle of faith. And you're growing and pressing into transformation. You know, Monday it's going to come and you're going to be met with having to overcome a lie. You're not good enough. You're a loser. That's when you stand up and say, ha, no way. 
I'm a child of the king, a victor. <coughs> I'm serious. Some of you, it's going to be, you've tried your whole life to come out of addiction. You've tried your whole life to come out of fear. <clears throat> and you're going to have to rise up at your altar call and say, uh-uh, I learned about this on Sunday, chump. Yeah. Devil, it ain't happening. I'm not falling for your bait. I'm not going to be pulled down in the pit so you can devour me. No way. I am a victor. I am an overcomer. And I am telling you, get in line, buddy, behind the word of the living God. You got to say this. You got to do it. Because listen, Sunday, it won't stick unless you walk it out on Monday and you go to life group and you get infused again with resolve. And then 30 days, you go after it. And you become, you make a habit of overcoming. That's what you got to do. So I just want come to this place, and some of you, it might be, I can't do this. I've never been able to break free from fear. No, you can, because God created you to. You have all the power, the arsenal of heaven behind you. So come on, let's just, let's prepare our hearts. I want you to ask the Lord to prepare you for Monday. I mean, really, you could ask him to prepare you for like two hours from now, when you're like, oh, the buzz of service has worn off, and I'm irritable. Oh. I'm a loser. Oh, oh, yeah, you are a loser. You're such a loser. You can never stop being a loser. <coughs> That's what the devil loves to do. And then, then he'll start lying to you. Yeah, you see Steve next to you? He's telling you you're a loser. He thinks you're a loser. He's afraid to tell you because he thinks you're pathetic. Oh, my God. Now Steve thinks I'm pathetic. Oh. And it's not even the truth. Steve doesn't think you're pathetic. The devil told you and you believed him rather than God. Take authority, folks, over your heart and your mind and your strength. Come on, open your hearts now and let's commit. Let's ask the Lord. Say, Lord, it's together. It's not just God waving a magic wand because he wants you to grow, you to take the authority he's given you. If you just leave it on the ground, nothing's going to happen. Take it. Take it. Come on, just respond to him. Don't take it from me. Don't look at me. Look to God right now. Take it from the Lord. Take your responsibility to tend your garden. Take your responsibility to tend your family, your heart, your workplace, your mind. It starts in the mind and the heart and the soul. You kill that lion and bear and it'll take you to your workplace. You kill that lion and bear and it'll take you to your family. One step at a time, take authority over your heart, your will, your emotions. Walk in the power and confidence of your God. Walk in truth. Meditate in it day and night. Father, I pray for grace right now upon the people of God that it would rise up. I pray for a stirring, a blowing of the wind of the Spirit, quickening hearts, quickening minds, releasing hope of the glorious gospel and the power of God is available. Come on, respond to him. You and your own words, your heart, just talk to God now. Walk from this place with a determination, I will walk in newness of life.